Amen. All right. Well, you guys enjoying this series so far? Um, you know, we talked about Paul and how he changed his whole life and his name and how he, he went from arrogance to humble. We talked about perception, deception, right? And just because you perceive something doesn't make it true. You've got to go back to the Word of God, don't you? And you've got, to, you've got to begin to understand the truth. So many people will tell me they don't understand the Bible. Um, I don't think anybody understands the Bible. Uh, but I can tell you that you could be reading your Bible and you could come across a scripture and that scripture could stick out like a sore thumb and you could read that thing and say, that is exactly what I need in my life. And you could extract that thing like a piece of gold or a sapphire or a diamond out of the ground and take that for yourself and begin to declare it over your life. So don't depend on what you know because you don't know very much. Praise the Lord. If you depend on what you know, you're already fighting a losing battle. You're already fighting a losing battle. You can possess the mind of Christ. Not like his. You can actually possess the mind of Christ so that you need to know everything you need to know all the time when you need to know it. And that's what discernment is all about. That's what conviction is all about. That's what all those things are all about. It's like, okay, now I know what I need to know. And now that I know that, I'm going to act as if, you know, God told me because he did. And so uh, we went through all of that. We talked about the role of women, right? champion women in the body of Christ, and we went through all those scriptures last week, and I got lots of great feedback on that, so I'm glad you all enjoyed that. And tonight, we're actually going to talk about what it takes to be a godly leader. How many people in here want to be a godly leader, right? Um, it's, it's critical that every person who receives Jesus Christ understands that they are a leader in the kingdom of God. And you say, oh, I'm not the pastor. I'm not the elder. I'm not this. I'm not that. No, no, no. Listen, you are a leader because the leader of all leaders lives on the inside of you. He's empowered you. And so now you are a light to a dark world, and you have immense power, dunamis power, it's called, like dynamite power living on the inside of you. And if you don't lead with that in your own life, and that's where it all starts. Everybody say, leadership starts with me. It starts with you, and you begin to lead as if what I just described is true, and then you become a leader in the kingdom of God because you're leading yourself. Many of you are married and have children, so now you're leading your, your, your family to, to a closer walk with God. We're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. And then you're also, at that point, really qualified to lead others in the kingdom of God. And I'm going to read a powerful scripture at the end of this thing that will really help you understand how incredibly powerful Christ is on the inside of every single one of you. And the great responsibility and the great commission that God has given to you to take the word of God out to a lost and dying world where you can lead with Christ. And uh, he's calling every single one of us to do that. Amen. So I'm going to just start to read uh, chapter 3. That's where we are in 1 Timothy. It says, this is a trustworthy saying. So you, you can trust this. 
Of course, you can trust the whole word of God, but it says this is a trustworthy saying. If someone aspires to be a church leader and they desire an honorable position, then he desires an honorable position. So if you aspire to be a church leader, then you desire an honorable position. Now, what does honor mean? Well, that might mean a little bit more than how you show up on your job every day, right? Because you may not honor that job all the time. But when you're talking about walking in the kingdom and saying, I'm going to be a leader in the kingdom of God, you have to lead with honor. Like, like this isn't just another thing to do. This isn't just another song to sing. This is not just another offering bucket to pass. Whatever the capacity is, this is not just you ministering to your neighbor or in the highways and byways. It's not just another. Sometimes we say that. We say, well, I'm just a whatever. I'm just this. I'm just a, you know, a, a, a work, I just work in the kids, faith kids room. What do you mean you just work in the faith kids' room? It's an honorable position, okay? And, and that's what he opens with. It says, well, let me read my note, because many people want the honor more than they want the position. They want the honor. They, they, they want people to say, oh, oh, you did such a great job. Oh, you're so awesome, and you're so incredible, and I love you so much. And, oh, I can't wait to be like you someday. And, oh, you know, every time I get near you, I, I feel like I'm going to get slain in the spirit. Forget all that nonsense. Forget all that. It's an honorable position. It's not about just the, you getting honor. The position is honorable. It says, so a church leader must be a person whose life is above reproach. So I tell you, you're going to have to walk on water and never sin. No, 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 no. Beyond reproach. And it's going to get into really what that specifically means, okay? So sometimes, how many people know that pastors and church leaders and you know, evangelists and prophets, all these people are just human beings just like you? Just like you. And guess what? They need Jesus as much as you do. Every day. Because guess what? They fall short of the glory of God. <gasps> Oh, Pastor Paul, I cannot believe you said that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. I will stand up here as a man of God, called by God, as a pastor, and tell you, I fall short of the glory of God every single day. Every single day of my life. That doesn't mean that I'm out carousing. That doesn't mean I'm out doing all this stuff. Most of the things that you'll fall short of the glory of God in are not things you may even be aware of. God spoke to me one time and he said, you know what, Paul? Here's, here's what falling short of the glory of God is from my perspective, from God's perspective. That every time you live a day or every time you live a moment, 
that is void of the promises that I've already given to you. Where there is lack in your life, you are falling short of the glory of God because God has made a way where there seems to be no way. God is a God of more than enough. It is a finished work of Christ. It is now by faith that I receive all that God has for me. God says it's impossible to please Him without faith. And so what is He drawing you in faith towards? Well, He's drawing you in faith towards the finished work of Jesus Christ. He's, he's your number one cheerleader, man. He's the number one coach. He's screaming, come on, you can do it. You can do it. And you're down here going, oh, man, alive. I don't, I don't even know if I'm going to make rent this month. I don't know. How, you know, this job I have is terrible. And you're just going on and on and on and on and on and on and on. That is falling short of the glory of God. And you will never in your fleshly life ever meet that standard. There has never been anyone in history who has ever made that standard. That is why Jesus had to come. Only he could do that. And so now he stands there and he says, come on. You want to come where I am? Come on. But it's going to take faith to believe that you can do it. And so let's get into what the, the rules are, everybody. You, you, Wherever, there, wherever there's God, there's going to be some rules, okay? Wherever there is, is in, in heaven, I promise you, there's going to be some rules laid down, okay? It's not a free-for-all when we get to heaven. You're not going to be a chubby little baby floating on a cloud with a little bow and arrow in your hand. You're going to have some stuff to do, and you're, you're going to have to follow the rules. What happened to Satan when he stopped following the rules in heaven? okay. It says, this person must be faithful to his husband or, or their husband or their wife. They must exercise self, uh-oh, self-control. I cannot begin to tell you the number of times in a, and I, I hate even using this word because it's, it's not what I'm about to say, but I don't know how else to say it but in a counseling session with people at the church. I do not counsel anybody. I think it's a waste of time. Praise God. I really, really do. I will give you the word of God, and I will tell you to live that thing, and if you don't want to do that, what else can I do? I have nothing else. I'm not going to be there when you're with Boo Boo or whoever doing whatever. I'm not going to be there. So you're going to have to take what the word of God says, and you're going to have to apply it to your life. But if I had a nickel for every time someone said, the devil made me do it, I'm like going, oh my goodness. The devil who's defeated made you do that. Wow. Who is this Jesus that you serve? Is he a wimp? Is he someone that didn't sacrifice his life and, and, and defeat Satan and go to heaven and give you the ability to do what he says for you to do? Of course he did. We, we, we victimize ourselves way, way too much. Well, things were different. You know, I wouldn't have done that. Well, okay. Things will never change. Let me say this. It's going to be a big aha, but things will never change until you change. That's it. Okay? You've got to change. You've got to have self-control. You need to live wisely. So, you know... Never putting yourself in harm's way. And when you do, you know how to get out. 
okay? Never giving up when things get tough, right? You have self-control. You're living within the boundaries of wisdom, which comes from the Word of God. And I'm telling you, you have an answer to every problem. But you've got to believe that. A godly leader who is going to lead other people in the kingdom of God needs to live wisely. They need to have that self-control. They need to be faithful to their spouse. And it says, and have a good reputation. Listen, I wouldn't care how much money you had. If you have a bad reputation, you should not be in the kingdom of God leading other people. And I'm telling you, so many people have a bad reputation, a bad rap, based on the evidence of their life and how they keep doing the same stuff, but yet they want to lead in the kingdom of God. No. No. But I'm the number one giver in this church, and I want my way. I'm telling you, guys, I am telling you, that many churches across this country are living within that kind of a, a mindset. Well, I can't say this in a church service, or I can't, you know, talk about the Holy Spirit in a church service because, you know, Aunt Mildred up here with all of her millions of dollars, we're just waiting for her to crank over so she can give it all to us and we, you know, have a, have a great life. She would get upset. She might leave our church. So you got to have a good reputation. A good reputation. And if you don't have any of these kinds of things, start where you are. Start to build that kind of life. And you know what? Don't do it in your own strength. Do it in the strength that God is going to give you. Have faith to believe that I will have a good reputation. I will walk in wisdom. I will have self-control. I will not cheat on my spouse. Many other things could happen, but I'm not going to do those things. And I am going to do the other things. It says that person must enjoy having guests in their home. I can remember a time back in Beloit, uh, my wife and I bought a two-flat place. I was going to school full-time. We had little Jacob. He's just a little tiny baby. Yeah, just a little kid. And uh, I was working full-time. She was, my wife was working full-time at the church. And so we just had this two-flat apartment thing we bought. We rented the downstairs. We lived upstairs. Upstairs. And the house was about 100 years old. Our kitchen was about the size of this, this round thing right here. The whole thing was that big. Not even, I don't even think it was that big. It was, it not, it was only about that deep, about that wide. And we were asked by Bishop to host a Bible study at our home once a month. I was going, Oh, my gosh. I'm like, when you come to my house, you're going to have to go up a flight of stairs that are about this steep, all the way up to the second floor. Then you're going to get up there, and then we'll, we'll navigate you around. And then I have no kitchen uh, other than this makeshift kitchen that we had. But you know what? I said, I'm going to take the little bit that I have in my hand, the little bit that God has given to me, and I'm going to be faithful. And I'll tell you, we had one of the greatest Bible studies month after month after month. That thing grew into a college and career age ministry where we'd have, I don't know how many people would come to the college and career age ministry. I would guess probably 150 people would come to this thing at the church. And all I had to do was open my home to other people. 
Some people are embarrassed by that, and I was somewhat. I was a young man, and my wife was a young woman, and we were just getting started, and you know, that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, we took what God had given to us, and he blessed it. He blessed it. So have guests in your home, and must be able to teach. Everybody say teach. You know, if I asked uh, everybody in this room, and I just, let's say we had 52 people in this room, and I said, okay, you're week one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 52 of them, I would guess that the majority of you would come to me afterwards and say, I, there ain't no way. I, I, I am not going up on a stage. I'm not talking into a microphone. I am not going to do that. Okay? So... Again, what we're talking about is godly leaders. We're going to get into deacons here in a little bit. Deacons are a little bit different. You don't have to be a teacher to be a deacon. And so that's great. That is awesome. That still qualifies as the honorable position. So just because you're not a teacher or those kinds of things, don't disqualify yourself from leading in the kingdom of God. It says they must not be heavy drinkers or be violent. They must be gentle, not quarrelsome, and not love money. Because the love of money is the root of every form of evil. Money is not a root of an evil. Anybody have any money in your bank account today? Praise the Lord. If it's evil, just give it to me. Praise the Lord. I will take it all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Money is not evil, but the love of money is the root of every form of evil. They must manage, hear this, their family well, having children who respect and obey them. For if a person cannot manage their own household, how can they take care of God's church? I see a lot of people that want to come up into a leadership position in the church, but they're not taking care of their family. Hear this. If, if we follow what the Word of God says, that person should not be a leader of other people in the church because they're not leading their lives the way they should be leading. This is not disrespectful towards a person. This is none of that. It's to say, listen, the most important thing that you have is your family. You're number one to take care of yourself, but number two, your family is a really close second. Really close. And so if you're not able to take care of your family, the Bible says, then you'd not be able to take care of God's people. Okay? Let's say that you're in that situation today. You want to be a leader in the, in the house of God. You want to lead other people. You've got the blueprint right here. Right here. It's so simple, it's what, maybe six or seven sentences here, and you could begin to say, all right, now I know what I need to do in order to be a godly leader in the church. And I promise you, you will find tremendous success just following what it says right here. You will find such great purpose in your life. Most people right now, they're still trying to figure out their purpose in their life. 
You've got to have a sense of purpose. You've got to know that whatever it is that's in front of you to do, that God has placed you there because you don't work for the people. You work for God. And you say, you know what? I'm going to do this with all my heart. I'm going to find a purpose in what God has for me. And if this isn't for me, God, I thank you that you're going to open another door. But here's what happens many times when people begin to pray like that. All of a sudden, they lose their job. Then they come, Pastor Paul, oh, Pastor Paul, pray for me, my God. I lost my job. I said, praise God. Now go get the one that God's got in store for you. You know, like, like you need to have a different way of thinking about that. you got to be wise, right? you you got to be a good steward of what God gives you. And you got to say, you know what? Yes, I'm going to go to Pastor Paul, and he is going to pray, and we're going to pray in agreement that, praise the Lord, I lost that job for a purpose. And God's going to open a door, and it's going to be a better job. It's that simple, guys. It's that simple. Every time I've been out of work, whether I lost a job or I, I left that job, it wouldn't make any difference. Right there was the next step. And I'm telling you, it doesn't may it matter if you make it by a mile or you make it by the skin of your teeth. Praise God, you made it to the other side. You found purpose for your life. And I'll tell you, it creates such hunger in your life. It creates such thirst in your life. I mean, you're just like, oh my goodness, if God did that, what else could he be doing? Where else could I have been three feet from gold and walked away from the mine? You ever heard that story? Guy comes from out east, the gold rush out here in uh, southwest somewhere. Comes out, he borrows money from his family, to just enough to get him out here and buy his own plot. Never mind a thing in his life. He gets out here. He starts working at his mine. He's digging and he's a digging. And oh, I found a little here. Oh, and then I found a little there. Keep him going. Just barely keep him going. He'd go and sell all the gold that he could get, you know, just to keep him going. Just to keep him going. And he still owes this debt back to his family. Month after month after month, he's digging and digging and digging. He's just finding barely enough. He finally says, I give up. Well, who does he call? He calls the guy that buys everything for pennies on the dollar, right? He's that guy. Calls him up and says, hey, you know what? I just need enough money to get myself back home and enough money to pay my family back. And here's how much that is. I paid way more than that for everything that you see here. I kept buying more stuff to, you know, figure this thing out. It's all yours. He says, great, I'll, I'll take it. He's not a miner either. The difference between that guy and the guy who bought it is the guy who bought it was a wise man. And so what did he do? He called a miner. He said, I want you to come out to my brand new mine. The guy that was digging here said he found gold here, there, and over there. And the, the, the real miner said, you know what? Gold runs in veins. He said, if you'll dig right here, you will likely find gold. That guy hired a little guy to come out there and start picking away. Do you know, and this is a true story, he had one of the richest finds of gold in all of history. Three feet away. I'm telling you, by the Spirit of God, God wants to make you a godly leader, but you're never going to get there by using your brain. Never going to get there. This thing's going to give up on you. This thing's going to quit. This thing's going to just say it, it doesn't make any sense. But if you walk by the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
and you can become the godly leader that he is calling you to. It goes on to say a church leader must not be a new believer. Praise the Lord. I love zeal. Everybody in here loves zeal. Peter had a lot of zeal, and he was called the devil by Jesus. He's called the devil. Yeah, I mean, Peter was in it to win it. Peter denied Jesus. He had lots of zeal, but he denied Jesus three occasions. But do you know that Peter had faith to believe he could become more? Even though he was called the devil by Jesus. Now, listen, you've probably been called some bad names, but I bet you by your pastor, you've never been called the devil. Okay, so if you have, God bless you. We'll talk about that later. But that's a pretty rough statement coming from your pastor. <laughs> You're the, of the devil. Peter became one of the greatest patriarchs in the kingdom of God. Not because of how great he was, but how, because of how great Christ was inside of him. He was so powerfully anointed after that, that after Jesus ascended, he actually was walking through a city, and his shadow was, was cast. He wasn't even looking over there. And all of a sudden, his shadow cast over someone, and immediately they were healed. Immediately they were healed. Paul, the apostle, prayed over little pieces of cloth. he just pray over them. Okay, just send that over to that person. Send that over to that person. Send that over to that person. And all of a sudden, these people get these little handkerchiefs, and they open up, and they get healed right there on the spot. That is what I'm talking about. It's not this works life, how good I am, and do more, have more, and you know, get robotic and all that stuff and figure your way through this thing. You're never going to figure out what I'm talking about tonight. Being a godly leader is going to require tremendous faith, and it's going to, it's going to press your flesh beyond its limits. It's going to press your soul beyond its limits, and you are no longer yourself anymore. And if you can come through all that and still be a little bit sane, praise the Lord, then you're qualified to be in the kingdom of God and lead others. Because I tell you, it's a trip. It is a trip. But it is a trip that is so incredible. So a church leader must not be a brand new believer because they may be proud and the devil would cause them to fall. Also, people outside the church must speak well of them. People outside the church, hallelujah, so when you're on your job, you're, you're not having a foul mouth, you know, with all your friends there at work and carrying on and all that stuff and then coming here and praising the Lord, you know, and all that. You, you can be a believer, but, but you can't be a leader in the kingdom of God with that kind of a lifestyle. So a life above reproach, I've got a definition for that right here. It's free of disapproval or disappointment of others. Living a life above reproach is free of disapproval or disappointment from others. There's many do's that I read and there's many do nots that I read, but it's simple. You could go back and you could study this over and over and over again. You could get it, you could employ it into your life, and you could become one of what we would call, and I don't believe there is such thing, but a patriarch in the kingdom of God. You could make the difference in the lives of many people.
You could have a para-ministry out of this ministry. You could have tremendous influence in your community. I mean, there's so much capacity within you that if you just start with what the little bit is that you have in your hand and you just be faithful with the little things, God will make you ruler of great things. He really will. That's his will for your life. So let's read about deacon leaders. It says, in the same way as being a, a pastor or one of the fivefold ministry, deacons must also be well-respected and have integrity. You know what integrity really means? It means wholeness. It means wholeness. If you think of a wheel and it has spokes, and half of the spokes are broken out of a bicycle wheel, that wheel, the roundness of the, of the wheel, will lose its integrity. It will begin to fail. And so when you think of the word integrity, it's not just I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. It means that I'm whole, therefore I can do what I say I can do. And if I'm not whole, then I lack integrity in my life. And the wholeness really was all the things that he described a, a pastor or a teacher should be doing. And you can apply those same principles in your own life. They must not be heavy drinkers or dishonest with money. They must be committed to the mystery of the faith. The mystery, and we're going to talk about that, the mystery of the faith. Now revealed and must live with a clear conscience. Everybody say clear conscience. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Before they are appointed as deacons, let them be closely examined. Guess what? Before you are a deacon in this church, you will be closely examined. You may not know you're being closely examined, but I'm telling you, there's many people even in this room that we are talking about in our pastors and elders meeting going, that person's got something. That person's got some. Oh, let's give them a little something. Let's see how they respond to what we might give them to do here or there. Let's see what they could develop themselves to become. Because you, if you want to be a deacon in the house of God or you want to be a leader in the house of God, you must be tested. You must, before you just throw the whole thing on you and then you're, whoa, I didn't know that came with it, right? Be faithful in the little things that God gives you and God will bless you, okay? Um, if, oh man, that's a big word, isn't it? If they pass the test, then let them serve as deacons. In the same way, their wives must be respected or your husbands must be respected and must not slander others. Oh boy. How in the world could you be a leader in the kingdom of God and you're slandering your church or you're slandering you know, church leadership, or you're slandering the way things are done around here. You're slandering, slandering, slandering. Listen, I would love for you to come up and live your household up on the stage for everybody to see. Or we'll just put a cam few cameras in your, in your house there, and we'll just watch every move that you make and make sure that, you know, nothing ever happens there out of order. It's a little bit different when you're standing up on a stage in front of other people and living on purpose in front of people and putting your heart out there. So always keep that in mind. If you've got something against a pastor, against a godly leader, just make sure you, you, you take into consideration your own life. What would it look like if it was on 
live stream 24-7. Okay? Okay. And it says, in the same way, your wives be respected. We did that. They must exercise self-control and be faithful in everything that they do. Be faithful in everything that they do. When you're asked to do something, it's not a, oh, I forgot. It's not a text two minutes before you're supposed to be at your post. It's, it's none of that stuff. It's faithfulness. Faithfulness. Um, okay. And so there's all kinds of do's and don'ts for that as well, right? What I want to talk to you about is, is um, there's a difference between being discerned and being convicted. Big difference. If you're discerned about something, you should always look at yourself first. First. Because what you may be recognizing as discernment could possibly be conviction. I promise you this, no matter what situation you're in, no matter what that's, who you're in that situation with, it takes two to tango. And what one does, one may react differently as a result. So always take that to heart as a godly leader. You should be discerned to know and live a moral life. A moral life. You think, oh, well, nobody knows what I think. Nobody knows what I feel. No one knows what I do in private and all that kind of stuff. God knows what you do in private. And I just want you all to know because I know many of, I think all of you in this room are saved. I want you to know that what you're witnessing, God is witnessing inside of you. He's right there. He's witnessing it as well. And so just, just begin to live that moral life, not just because you want to be a goody-two-shoe, but because you want to be a leader in the kingdom of God. I'm writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon, so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people, how people must conduct themselves in the house of God. This is the church, not a church. This is the church of the living God, which is the, the church is the pillar and foundation of all truth. Why is that? Because that's what gets displayed. That's what should be happening out of a pulpit. The truth should be conveyed to everybody who would hear that message. Don't just think of it as another service. Don't just think of it as, I'm going, oh, i got to go to church again. Oh, don't, just, don't do that. Just, no, I can't wait to get there. Don't come to church to get anything. Come to church to give something to someone else. That's the truth that will make you free. Without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. There's that term again, the great mystery of our faith. Christ was revealed in the human body and vindicated by the Spirit. He was seen by angels, announced to nations. He was believed throughout the world. Listen to that. Christ was not around the world yet. That is vision right there. That is faith right there. He was believed in throughout the world. They're just in the Middle East right here. They're, they don't even realize that the earth is round. Praise the God. They, they think it's probably flat. <laughs> okay? But think of the vision that came out of that statement. And taken to heaven in glory. 
The mystery of our faith is the ability to move ahead not fully understanding or having a clear conscience about it. It's blindly moving forward. Faith does not have reason. Faith has trust in God. And I, I, I wish I could convey to your heart so, so perfectly how incredibly supernatural God truly is in your life and how he will take over everything in your life. All the cares of the world will begin to fade away. All of the anxieties, all of the depression, all of the insomnia, all of your diseases, all of, I mean, everything. And all of a sudden, people look at you, and I want, I want to read this, this scripture in closing, because it's really important. I had another one, but I'm not going to get there tonight. In Philippians 3, 17 through 21, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine. This is the Apostle Paul speaking years later. Model your life after mine. He didn't say model it after Jesus. He said, make your life like mine. And learn from those who follow my example. For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power which he will bring everything under his control. This church, Faith Builders Church, belongs to God. Honest to goodness, I said in every pastor and elder meeting, our conversations are all about how do we become more expressive of God towards these people? How do we cause them to realize this incredible potential that lives inside of them? How do we teach them to release that potential into a world that, I mean, would help them overcome every circumstance and every situation they will ever face? And I know many of you hear that message week after week, and you're, you're, you're getting changed, you're getting transformed, and that is an incredible, incredible thing. I've seen so many of you grow in the knowledge of who you are in Jesus Christ and how God is beginning to take over areas of your life and beginning to take the, the heaviness out of the life. The, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. But if you're not careful as a godly leader in closing... You'll take the burdens of a church and strap them to your own back. You'll begin to do things for others that they could do for themselves. And if you're not careful, you'll also become God to them, become their answer. I made a rule with myself is that I will never do anything for someone that they can do for themselves. Because in doing so, I'm God now. I promise you, if you learn how to do it yourself, your life will forever be changed. 
I'll help anybody that I can, but I can't help you beyond the word of God. It is alive. It is sharp. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It'll pierce you to the deepest parts of who you are. Heavenly Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name tonight. I thank you, Father, for every person in this room. I thank you that they see the light of Christ in their own life. They see this incredible potential that you're drawing out, drawing them closer to a leadership position in your kingdom, Father God, strengthening your church, which is the foundation of truth. Thank you, Father God, for awakening them to this incredible leadership capacity that they possess in every area of their life, Lord God, as they begin to lead with you. I want to make sure every person in this room is right with God, so we're going to say this prayer, and I want you to pray it and mean it with all your heart. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I make you the Lord of my life. Holy Spirit, come live inside of me. Make me the leader you've called me to be. In Jesus' name. Amen. Keep your heads bowed for just a moment. If you said that prayer tonight, you meant it with all your heart. You're coming back to Christ, receiving Christ for the first time. Just raise up your hand. Let me know. Let God know. Hallelujah. You're all familiar in this place. So let's go ahead and open our eyes. Hey, listen, guys. Sunday's going to be an incredible, incredible message. Come on out. Come for both services. Let's pack this place out. Please bring a friend with you. Listen, they need what you've got. They need what you've got. And even if all you got is this much, I promise you, this much of God is incredible, okay? So take what you have in your hand and begin to lead with that in your community, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your church. And uh, we'll see you all Sunday, okay? God bless you. One more, one more thing. Next Wednesday... We're going to talk about Jezebel. So, listen. She has no authority, no power, okay? And I'm going to show you that next week, okay? So, God bless you.